Morning, church family. Let's stand and sing together. Take a seat if you wish. would like to welcome you here this morning. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. So if you're a visitor, welcome. There should be a card right in front of you, in the pew in front of you, that says uh, connection card. 
Uh, if you would, just grab that and fill that out. We'd love to have a record of you being here with us this morning, be able to reach out to you this week, pray for you, and drop that in the offering basket on your way out this morning. Would would greatly appreciate that. So there's a few things, a few needs, a few things to pray for and to make you aware of. I want to mention to you, first of all, uh, today is set aside as Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, which is just a focal point, a moment to pray, to be uh, aware of, and to, um, to talk about different ministries in the area and uh, different, uh, different folks who are seeking to support families, support um, uh, young, young ladies who are pregnant and who are seeking options, and to be able to support uh, people with the understanding and background that all people, no matter ability, no matter station in life, have been created in the image of God, and that they have value because God has given them value. They have value because God has said so. And so, I want to make you aware of a few things in the area, and also lead us in prayer in just a minute for uh, for these ministries, and also as making you aware, I want to encourage you to look for an opportunity there, to seek the Lord of whether he would have you to work with one of these uh, ministries, maybe to partner, and maybe that would be a place for you to be able to uh, use the gifts that God has given you and the time God has given you to support some of these uh, ministries in the area that seek to preserve the sanctity of human life. And so one of those Women's Resource Center in the area that that we uh, support financially here at Faith Family and that some of you have been a part of, want to make you aware of them. Uh, Also make you aware of uh, foster and adoptive care, uh, that uh, we here have several families who are involved in in either fostering or having adopted, and I want to encourage you to, one, pray for them, and also that as we either, you can support with the closed closet that we have on campus to support adoptive and foster families, or Alabama Baptist Children's Home. Uh, is a ministry just across the bay that is residential, but also supporting foster families and uh, the families who have their children in foster care. And so different, different things, different ministries that you, one, can be involved in, but also pray for. Please pray for them and pray for the Lord's use of the people involved in them and the use of that he would use them to get the gospel into the lives of people who are in darkness, who do not know Christ. That God would use his people as they are involved and in trying to invest in the lives of others. And so I would encourage you to pray towards that end. This evening, we will not have our typical Sunday night um, fellowship. It will will not occur this evening. Uh, but we will we'll be trying to be back this Wednesday night. So the plan right now is that we will join together this coming Wednesday night for discipleship in students and children and adults uh, on campus. And so the plan is to resume that. And then next Sunday, to be back full swing. Sunday morning, Sunday school, big group, corporate worship in here, and then evening time together in here also to uh, celebrate and to worship the Lord together with, with song, through song, and, and testimony. So fifth Sunday in January, that's the plan for next Sunday night. Uh, So there are a few other things to pray for, a few other needs. We have some staffing needs. We're looking for a a children's ministry coordinator 
and information is on the website for that. We're also uh, looking for a uh, financial manager and want to make you aware of that need uh, that is still there. And also for our weekday preschool, uh, there's need for aftercare workers, those who would work at the end of the school day to take care of the kids as their parents are coming to get them. There is still a need for workers there uh, during the weekday preschool. So I want to make you aware of those needs and ask you to pray for them. Ask you to pray that the Lord would supply, uh, supply people, would lead someone to these positions. Uh, that would be the person that he would have to, to minister to those various areas uh, and to the folks within those ministries. All right? So, we have been memorizing scripture together. We are at Psalm 95. And so, let's recite these verses, uh, these two verses in Psalm 95. And I will try not to confuse it with the song again this week. And, and so, if you would, let's out loud recite the verses twice. And uh, then we'll talk a brief second and then we'll pray. All right, ready? O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the sheep of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Psalm 95, 6 and 7. One more time. <laughs> o come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Psalm 95, 6 and 7. All right. So, the invitation to come worship the Lord to worship the God who is not only the, the Lord of things, He orders and He is involved intimately in the keeping together of all things, but He has made it. There are certain non-negotiables in Scripture. There are certain things that are necessary and that are first principles, that, that don't sway, that don't go one way or the other. And one thing is that God has made all things, that He created everything. He is the maker of of the universe he is the maker of all things and the complexity and the intricacy and in the harmony of the world and the universe and our bodies and our lives and everything he has made he is the maker therefore let us come before him let us humbly come before him as the creator and as the lord who we owe everything to we owe our very existence to the lord to God. And he tells us this. It is not a guest reality. It is the truth that he has revealed to us so that we would recognize his authority and recognize his goodness and that we would willingly come before him, willingly bow our knee before the Lord, our God, our maker. So if you would pray with me, let's pray for these ministries, these needs, and also pray for our posture before the Lord this morning. Father God, I thank you. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word and the work of Christ on the cross. That Lord, not only do we have the, the word of your authority and the recognition of your authority in the world that you have made, but that you came as you gave us. You gave us a choice. You gave us the ability to choose. You gave Adam and Eve that same ability, Lord, and they chose to rebel and reject, and we do the same. 
I have done the same. And that God is the maker of all things, as the, as the Lord who knew this would happen, you also knew what you would do and what you have done. That you sent your Son. That Lord Jesus, you came and gave your life laid a sacrifice down of infinite value your own life shed your own blood in order to pay for our sin and to bring about restoration and what was broken and separated from you what was dead in sin and trespasses you by your goodness and grace have brought to life in your son that anyone who would call upon the name of the lord jesus would be saved and so father thank you god for your grace Thank you for your mercy, and I, I ask that, Lord, you would, you would fill us with the reality of the grace of Christ. That, Lord, you would remind us of your grace. You would call, Lord, people to your grace in Christ, to faith, to bend their knee before you, as this psalm tells us and instructs us on the reality of your, your creative authority. But that, God, the, the love and grace of Christ would, Lord, call us to to willingly give our lives before you, recognizing your authority, but also recognizing your abundant, boundless grace and love. So, Father, would you, Lord, be glorified this morning? God, would you, Lord, call us to this place of humility and repentance and trust in your Son? And God, Lord, would you provide for the needs that have been mentioned, Lord, uh, the needs, uh, Lord, across a variety of ministries here at Faith Family. God, would you supply those? Would you provide? Would you, God, speak to those people? Lord, lead them to, to reach out and to make mention of their intention, Lord. Sensing your leadership, Lord, would you appoint, Lord, people to those, those roles? That, God, you would use them through the gifts you've given them to meet the needs of your church, but also to be used for your glory you would be exalted through their their place of service there so god would you would you do that would you lead those people god would you also lord would you be with the the ministries lord in this area more who i've not mentioned this morning lord who are serving this community god would you be with the children's home alabama baptist children's home lord and the the families that we have here and also that are attached to us lord who serve in foster care God, would you supply their needs? God, would you strengthen their spirits, Lord? Fill them with your word and with your nearness that, God, you would use them, Lord, sacrificially in the lives of children and in the lives of families, God, to exalt you, to be an embodiment of the gospel, Lord. God, would you, would you use them for your glory? Would you supply those needs? God, would you be with Women's Care Resource Center? And, Lord, the... Uh, the young ladies that that they they seek to serve, Lord. The women that they seek to intercede for and to share uh, truth with. God, would you use the people who serve there for your glory and for the good of, of the people who are coming forward, that, Lord, you would change their lives. That, God, the gospel would be known clearly and fully. And that, God, you would save people you would preserve life through that ministry, God. 
And so, Father, we we ask your blessing. We ask your nearness. God, we ask your spirit to lead us this morning. That, God, you would be glorified. You would be exalted, God. And you, Lord, would meet with us. God, help us to hear you. Give us ears to hear, hearts to listen. That we would be receptive to your word and receptive to your reproof and to your guidance. And that, God, you would be glorified this morning. We thank you and ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship. Draws me and my time has come. 
team for leading us this morning in worship. It has been good. And yes, I'm wearing a jacket. I'm cold. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just, I just can't get over the cold this morning. Uh, do want to uh, remind those of you who are deacons that we have deacons meeting right after the service. Uh, I'm supposed to announce that at the end of the service, but I don't know that I will remember, and so I'm going to do it now and then maybe do it again. Uh, secondly, next Sunday we uh, will have business meeting, and uh, hopefully we'll have the uh, pastor search uh, team uh, for you to uh, approve, as well as our finances for uh, actually two quarters. I do need to explain something, apparently, because I know I had said... Uh, in my announcement that I was going to take a sabbatical and let me explain what I mean by that a sabbatical is a time of rest for the purpose of being rejuvenated it's a time for pastors to study and to learn more and so there's some mix-up as to when that's going to happen uh, that's going to happen after I retire uh, so it's not before, so don't think I'm taking some time. I'm, I'm done, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be here. No, I, when I finish, I'm going to do that. And I'm saying that because uh, we don't plan on moving our membership, okay? Uh, but you may not see me for the first uh, few months 
you probably won't see me because I, I do plan to really use that as a time of uh, renewal, restoration, study. I've been waiting to get out my stylus and practice my cuneiform again. And uh, for the few of you who know what I'm talking about, I really am serious about it. It just sounds something uh, good to me. And I, uh, anyway, I hope to enjoy some things like that. Um, and uh, I do want to say one other thing about um, where we are. Uh, back uh, when COVID first hit, um, the, uh, uh, the nursing home facilities were using a uh, positive test percentage to determine whether they should close their doors and uh, keep people from uh, coming in and it was around 10 or 11 percent positive rate uh, I just checked yesterday our positive rate right now is 46 percent so it's it's not as the variant is not as bad uh, praise the Lord it is very infectious and so if you see people not here uh, check on them uh, they may be sick with COVID uh, and uh, just to see how they're doing uh, we're reminded in James that when we are uh, we have something to celebrate we should rejoice and we should sing and when we're suffering we should pray and so we should pray for one another and that's what I want us to do uh, right now before we read the scripture is to pray for one another that God would grant us health uh, during these days okay so father uh, we don't want to look at the numbers of man uh, Lord we want to look at uh, our great and gracious God and we want to call upon you and ask you to bring healing to our church body to our fellowship and Lord looking back over time we we have seen uh, times that you have brought some of your children home to be with you and uh, Lord we uh, we assess sometimes and say it's too early and why and and yet we know that in your great wisdom that you do everything well and there is no mistake and so it is with our church body right now those who are sick we pray for their healing and know that we have others that are having other physical problems Lord from kidney stones to to knee issues to uh, other things that uh, our people are going through and we would ask you the God who is our healer uh, to show yourself strong and faithful in our behalf and uh, to bring healing to your people uh, we pray that you would uh, meet with us as we talk about the presence of the Lord Lord, if we meet here and you do not meet with us, we will have met in vain. And so we ask you to prove yourself strong and faithful by meeting with your people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've titled the message this morning as we're going to pick up some highlights through the book of Isaiah. Uh, I've titled it, The Presence of God. Uh, I've struggled with another title and it's a tale of two men because uh, in a sense it is a tale of two men there are two men that are mentioned here in particular 
one is Uzziah, and the other is Isaiah. And uh, so part of the story is uh, two different lives, and two different men have a different experience with the Lord. And uh, you and I have to kind of consider, I think, uh, what is happening here and ask the question, what kind of person are we? Are, are we following uh, a line like Uzziah did or are we uh, following a line like Isaiah did? So in Isaiah chapter 6 and I guess Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 53 are probably the two most uh, well-known passages in the book of Isaiah. Uh, so I'll begin reading in verse 1 and I'm going to, I'm going to end in verse 9, just the first part of verse 9. Uh, and we probably won't have time to cover it all, okay? Uh, so let me begin reading in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now understand, Isaiah is writing. So when he says, I saw the Lord, that's who it's referencing there. And I saw the Lord, and notice where the Lord was, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people, a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, and having in his hand a burning coal, and notice where he gets it from, he had taken it with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. Go. There's much more to the story that is here, but I want you to think in terms of who we're talking about here. As I said, we've, we've got Uzziah who is king. He's been king for 52 years. Can you imagine having a president for 52 years? Having the same Congress for 52 years? And, and so for 52 years, he had reigned. Uh, he started reigning when he was 16. They say he was a co-reigner with his dad, but his dad had lost his ability to lead. And so uh, uh, Uzziah came alongside his dad and, and he led in Judah. Now you and I have to distinguish between the southern part of, of the people of God being Judah 
and the northern part of the people of God being Israel. The twelve tribes, ten of them were called Israel and two of them, Judah and Benjamin, were called Judah. And the northern ten tribes, every single king that ruled in the northern kingdom was wicked, was evil, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the majority of the kings in the southern kingdom, which would be Judah, uh, at some point were living godly lives. And so it was for uh, Uzziah. In, in Second Chronicles 26.5, it kind of sets a, the tone of who Uzziah was. It says he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. So Uzziah is taught to do what? To fear the Lord. He, he has a good upbringing. He, he's taught the Word of God. He, he knows the right thing to do. And it says he does fear the Lord. But it, it puts a uh, qualifier there. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And so just saying that implies what? There, there was a point in time when he wasn't seeking the Lord. And that's why I say I think you and I have to distinguish between Uzziah and Isaiah. Uzziah was a man who did that which was right. He sought the Lord most of the time. But there came a point in time in which that changed. In, in that same chapter, in chapter 26 of Second Chronicles, uh, it says in verse 14 and following, And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In other words, he was a great military leader. And he provided. If you're going to lead your people in military campaigns, you need to give them the equipment that they need. And, and he was that kind of man. He was skilled and he was wise. And verse 15 says, In Jerusalem he made machines we're, we're talking about instruments of warfare he invented by skillful men uh, to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stone uh, stones and his fame spread far for he was marvelously helped Uzziah had another name he had a name Azariah uh, you say, well, how could he have two different names? Well, I, I, when I pastored in Arkansas, I had a deacon whose name was Robert. And everybody knew him as Robert that was in the church and in the school that he grew up in that little town. But his family members called him Mike. And so when I would go visit his family and I'd call him Robert, then... Uh, they would say, who are you talking about? And uh, i say, you know, the big guy, the, he's your brother? Oh, you mean Mike. And then his friends called him Lard. He, had a, he, he was one of those cowboy-looking guys, and, and he had a cowboy belt with a big old cowboy belt buckle on it, and on the back, his belt, it said Lard. 
And I got really confused at times as to what to call him. So he didn't just have two names. He had three names. And so I, I just say that, say it's not unusual, is it, to have to be called by one name and another. And, and the reason why I'm saying it is because the name Azariah means the Lord is my help. And so that's what the scripture is saying here. He was, he was strong. He was famous. And uh, he was marvelously helped and who helped him the Lord did verse 16 though but when he was strong he grew proud pride entered into his heart and it was to his destruction in the same way that it will be to our destruction pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall you cannot undo that. It's like a mathematical equation. If 2 plus 2 equals 4, it is true, and it's always true. And when God says, if you have a proud spirit, it will lead you to destruction, guess what? Pride will lead to destruction. You can count on it. It's just like a spiritual equation. So he says, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. And he tells us how he became unfaithful and what his pride led him to do. Notice what he did. He's king. He's king, but it says he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, whose job was that? It was the priest's job. Was it the king's job? No, absolutely not. And so what he does is he, he despises his name by doing the opposite of following the Lord who was his help. Who was, and Uzziah means the Lord is my strength. He does what he thinks is right in his own eyes because pride will lead you and I to do that. And so uh, you and I have to understand what God was looking for in Uzziah's life was faithfulness more than anything else. That he would continue to look to the source of his strength. And that was the Lord. He knew where his strength had come from and yet in his pride he began to think, I finally know how to do it. I love John Piper's book for pastors. The title of it is, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Preachers need to be reminded of that. Pastors need to be reminded. Elders need to be reminded of that. Church leaders need to be reminded of that. There are jobs in which you and I are professionals, but when we are dealing with souls, we are in a we are in a whole different ball game. I, I, I say it over and over again. It's far more serious what we do than a neurosurgeon does. You're dealing with the souls of people. I can remember I was a, I was a young teenage guy and I was speaking to someone spiritually about something. My unbelieving brother overheard what I was saying. And he called me aside and he said to me, you better be careful because what you are talking about 
is somebody's eternity. I thought that was pretty good coming from an unsaved brother. Okay? He was right. He was spot on. He was hearing what I was saying and what I was saying to him. It didn't sound like godly wisdom. And guess what? It really wasn't. And I needed to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that. And here is a man who is headed into a very dangerous situation because he has forgotten where his help comes from. He's forgotten where his strength is. Well, chapter 5, uh, which we really haven't looked at, is a, like a parable. It's a song, but it's a metaphor. It's like a parable, a story that tells something. And, and, and Israel is likened unto a vineyard that does not bear fruit. It's a vineyard that uh, has been worked on and everything seems to be in such a place that it should be productive, but it becomes unproductive. And the fifth chapter tells us it, it's because the people of God rebelled against the Lord. Just like Uzziah rebelled against the Lord. They had heard the word of the Lord, but they refused to obey it. They knew what God's Word said, but they thought they could get away with suppressing the truth. Now, Romans chapter 1 tells us what happens when you and I try to set, uh, suppress the truth. In Romans 1 verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Does God have a right to be angry with man? Absolutely. Now, the world culture in which we live in says, no, God doesn't have a right to do that. God is, if there is a God, He is a God of love. And so why should He be angry with us? Well, it's because we suppress the truth of God in our rebellion. And so the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Again, this is kind of like that 2 plus 2 is 4. God's wrath is going to be revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. Uh, Psalm 37, uh, David is arguing and he's saying, it looks like all the ungodly are getting away with living ungodly. But the second half of, of, of uh, Psalm 37 reminds us they don't get away with it. We don't get away with it. I don't get away with it. You don't get away with it. God is a God of holiness. And he pours out his anger on sin. And he tells us in verse 19 of Romans 1, what they've known about God is plain to them. Now people say, I, I don't know who God is. No, time out. The God who is our creator and maker says, I put the instruction manual in you. Okay? I, 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 there's some medicine that I have to take for migraines. And uh, somebody asked me, well, the other day, says, well, what does it do? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea what it does. The, the doctor said, take it. And so I, I thought, you know, I ought to see if there's some instructions that go with it besides just what's written on the little thing. And I went and got the little box and I unfolded 
a set of instructions about it where it tells you what it does to your body, what it, how it interacts with other things, you know, kind of like the commercials. You know, but it was all in there. And, and I could say, well, I, I'm using it wrongly. I don't believe that it works. I think it should work this way. And yet, I had the instruction manual. In our unbelief, in our rebellion and disobedience against the Lord, we can say, Lord, you didn't tell me. I don't know about you. And yet, what does God's Word say? We have known about God. It is plain unto us because God has shown it unto us. So that we are, the Scripture here tells us, without excuse. It even says in verse 20, even the invisible attributes of God. The things about God, His characteristics that you and I can't see. The fact that He is eternal. Uh, the, the fact that, uh, that uh, He is both just and loving. Those are characteristics that we can't necessarily see. And yet, what does God's Word say? It says they are clearly revealed. His divine nature is clearly perceived and he tells us how long we've known about it ever since creation. Now I think you and I need to believe what the Bible says because again I don't remember who said it uh, you know to catechize is to teach churches catechize they have teaching tools where they teach people truths about the Bible. But guess what? The world catechizes us. The world is constantly telling us, here is, here is systematic theology. This is what you ought to believe about God. It's happening all the time. And, and yet we look at the Bible and we go, well, you know, I don't, you know does it really mean... God says what He means, and He means what He says, and He never stutters. Okay? And He says it right here. Ever since the creation of the world, even through the things that have been made, people have been taught who God is. This world declares the glory of who He is. Somebody... Uh, Steve Birch uh, handed me what he taught at the rescue mission last night. Uh, his, uh, his notes, he gave them to me this morning. The title of it was uh, Order Out of Chaos. And it was from Genesis chapter 1. I said, well, order doesn't come out of chaos, does it? I said, you know, I... I've watched this happen over and over and over again uh, where, you know, the, the lumber company comes and delivers all of this wood and pipes and uh, windows to a, to a lot and cement and, and uh, just somehow, miraculously, it just turns into a house, right? Well, you and I go, that's ridiculous, that's crazy. It can't happen that way when, 
When it's delivered, we have, we have an architect and who has designed it. We have workers who put it together. And the Father is our architect. The Holy Spirit is the power behind putting this world together. And when you and I begin to look at it, we have to remember God made us and He created us. And claiming to be wise, verse 22 says, they showed themselves to be fools. They showed themselves to be fools. And it says in verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Now I said a moment ago, I'm not going to get through the sermon. So don't, don't start sweating yet, okay? I, I, I think we've got to get this point down. I think we've got to get this message to see that Uzziah in his pride and in his arrogance was excluded from worshiping God. Because what did God do to Uzziah? When Uzziah came in and behaved like a priest and did what God had forbidden him to do, they gave him, God gave him leprosy. And the scripture says there were 80 priests... 80 priests who stood in his way. I'm thinking, to, I think to myself as I'm thinking over these verses, why did it take 80 priests? Because he was king. He was the head of the military. He was in charge. He was taking over and he could do whatever he wanted to do. He was Uzziah. He had been in control for 52 years. What right do you have to tell me I cannot do that? And the priests were saying, our right is God says you can't do it. And God is saying to us and to the world, you do it my way. When the Bible, when Jesus said there is one way... He is the only way. There is only one way to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. It does not matter what PhD comes along and says something contrary. Jesus Christ is the creator. He is our high priest. And he says there is one way. And so the chapter begins and it says Uzziah did what? died Uzziah died I think you and I need to let that sink in a little bit Uzziah died not as he began he began by doing the right things and following God and trusting in the Lord knowing the Lord was his help knowing the Lord was his strength and obeying God and and then he died being forbidden from coming to the temple. The very temple that he sought to give a sacrifice unto the Lord. Because of his leprosy he was forbidden to enter it. Not only was he forbidden from entering into the temple. He was separated from the rest of humanity. It says he lived in his own house by himself. And he died a lonely man. The very thing that he longed for was the presence of God at one time. And now the presence of the Lord has departed from Uzziah. 
Well, what does the world need now? 52 years have gone by. We had a good man became bad. He's dead. What do we need? We need an Isaiah. We, we need a man who seeks the presence of the Lord. A man who wants, who puts himself in that position. Was Isaiah a perfect man? Absolutely not. Was he flawed? Absolutely so. But he put himself in the position to put himself under the word of God. To hear what God's word said. To be in the place that when God came to reveal himself to someone, where was Isaiah? He was right there. He was right there to encounter the Lord. And we need today men and women and boys and girls and teenagers who have encountered the presence of the Lord. And the question is, are we putting ourselves in such a position? It was 1974 when I heard uh, Leonard Ravenhill preach a sermon on this chapter. And he gave this outline. And it's amazing. I, can, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. But I do remember uh, his outline from 1974. And it was very simple. And it was that Isaiah had an upward vision. He had an inward vision. And he had an outward vision. He had an upward vision in that he saw the Lord. And the very thing that uh, happened to Uzziah, he comes into the temple of the God and he is, he's refused presence in the temple of God. And when Isaiah puts himself in a position to look unto the Lord, where does he see God? In his holy temple. He sees him in his holy temple. Now, I'm going to say this, and I, I, I believe it to be true. I would like to say I know it to be true, but I believe it to be true. And that is, God revealing himself to, pe to people is in the sovereign choice of God. I say I believe it to be true because that's what I see when I look through the Scriptures. Uh, Peter's minding his own business. He's fishing. Who reveals himself to him? Jesus does. At whose bidding? Not Peter's. The Lord Jesus comes to him. Everywhere I look in Scripture, you see Moses. And Moses is... How many times has Moses been out in that desert? That's where he was living. He was tending sheep. And he'd been out... How many bushes had he gone by? He may have gone by that bush a hundred times. But on that particular day, God chooses to reveal himself to Moses. And so I want to ask you to reflect on that contrast between Uzziah and Isaiah. And ask the Lord, have I placed myself today... In a position that if God would sovereignly say, I want to reveal myself to you. That you would be right there. You would be looking upward unto the Lord. I have very much more to say about it. But you cannot endure it today. Okay? So I'm kind of going to leave it right there. I want you to see though, just in closing... 
We're not going to look at the seraphim until next week, Lord willing. But the word seraphim is plural. A seraph is singular. It's an angel. We don't know how many angels are there. Some indicate maybe there were two seraphim. But I I, I read uh, Matthew Henry who said that he believed that it was in reference to all the angels of God. They're flames of fire. Oh, they're flames of fire. And when you and I think about fire, we think about judgment. Well, here are these seraphim, and they're above the Lord, and they have three sets of wings. Uh, One set they fly with. And it indicates they do the bidding of the one who sits on the throne. Whatever the one who sits on the throne says for them to do, what do they do? Do it. With one set of wings, they cover their feet. And I've seen lots of interpretations of it, but I like what Alec Matir says. He says, I I believe he's in reference to the holiness of God. Because if you'll look at the text, this is the only time... A word is used, it's the only word rather, that is used three times. Usually in Hebrew language they'll use a word twice. Jesus said it in the New Testament. Truly, truly I say unto you, it's to give emphasis. Holy is used in the Old Testament three times. It's used in the New Testament three times. It's to give extreme emphasis to what it says. And so with two wings, these angels covered their feet. When uh, Moses encountered the Lord at the burning bush, what did he tell him to do? Take off his shoes, because wherever the Lord is, it's holy. It's holy ground. Now some of you know, uh, my oldest brother who passed away was a pastor. Ran into somebody from a church in our area and I knew he had preached a revival there and I said my brother preached a revival at your church and I, she said well what's his name and I told him his name she said nope he didn't preach at our church I said yeah I'm pretty sure he did no I don't think so I said well how long have you been there and she told me and she said no he hadn't preached at our church I said he was the shoeless preacher oh I know who your brother was you know, and my brother, he did. I mean, every time he'd get in the pulpit, he'd take his shoes off because he wanted just to think in terms, if we don't encounter the presence of the Lord, then we've missed everything. And then with two wings, what did they do? They covered their eyes because God's holiness is too beautiful for our eyes to behold. No man can see God except he die. And what did Moses say? I'm not leaving until I see you. And Father, I pray that we would have such a renewed desire from what your word has to say to have a genuine, fresh encounter from the sovereign God. The one who takes sinful people like 
Isaiah who said, I'm undone. I mean, the whole world is shaking because of my sinfulness. And yet one of those seraphim didn't come with judgment, but took a coal from the altar where the sacrifice was made. Looking forward to Jesus Christ and touched his lips, the most tender part, and says, Your your sin has been atoned for. Your iniquities have taken away. And I pray, Father, that that would be what we collectively, what we individually as a people of God would have. Lord, we need the presence of the Lord. Without your presence, Lord, we we don't want to go any further. I I can't make that happen. But Lord, we, we can put ourselves in the place where Isaiah was. Humble and broken, contrite of heart. Looking up to heaven from which our help comes. Thanking you for Jesus. Where you say, look unto Jesus, the beginner and finisher of your faith. To know our salvation is complete in Him. And He is the hope for the world and it's, He's the hope for us. And So help us to see and behold afresh and anew all that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.